Good morning. It's so good to be with you. My name is Amy Anderson. My husband Luke and I are members here, along with our daughters Rosie and Adeline. It's so fun to spend this summer day with you, worshiping together. Today, we're in the season of ordinary time in the eighth Sunday after Pentecost, and our lectionary text today comes from Luke 12, 13 to 21, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles with me. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from Jesus, the parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. The word of the Lord. Right off the bat, this parable reminds me of Steven Spielberg's imaginative film called Hook. And in this film, we find out what might have happened to Peter Pan if he had grown up. So we discover Peter Banning, a workaholic father of two children who is so consumed by the pursuit of his work that he's missing all of life's beauty, including his daughter's performance, his son's baseball game, the pinnacle of the season. Peter is so tightly wound by the pressures of his high-powered job that on his family's first day of vacation, when his gleeful children try to play with him and accidentally interrupt a work call, Peter lashes out and charges around the room with fury and rage. Later that evening, Peter sits by the window with his wife, Moira, who gently observes that Peter has been overlooking the things that matter in life. She tells him, you are not being careful, Peter, and you are missing it. Soon enough, the night turns dark and windy, and Hook kidnaps Peter's children, seeking his final revenge. Peter learns that in order to save his children, he must fly to Neverland, and all he needs in order to fly is one happy thought. But Peter can't think of one happy thought, having been consumed for so long by the relentless pursuit of success, the storyline of Peter's life has narrowed to one phrase, me, myself, and I. So with all the movie magic of the early 90s, Tinkerbell, played by Julia Roberts, swaddles Peter up in these nursery heap of blankets and whisks him off to Neverland. Here in Neverland, through a series of unforgettable events with the Lost Boys, Peter regains a sense of his true identity. He remembers what life is truly about, and this shifts his entire focus. He rescues his children and returns to his real life with a fresh take on his priorities. 
Let's look back at Luke 12 where Jesus has been teaching the crowds, thousands and thousands of hot, sweaty, dusty people who are pressed up against one another, straining to hear the words of this mysterious prophet. All of a sudden, someone in the crowd steps forward and demands that Jesus resolve a domestic dispute about a family inheritance where likely, according to the culture at the time, the older brother would receive twice the younger brother's portion. It doesn't sound fair, right? Perhaps this is a younger brother who wants Jesus to smooth things out in his favor. Jesus says no. And at the same time, Jesus looks deeper, straight into the man's heart, and tells a story that warns against every form of greed. Let's read the beginning of the parable again, starting in verse 16. And Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Let's pause here for one minute. (laughs) How many characters are in the story so far? One. There's one character. This is a story about me, myself, and I. As we read on, we'll see how God responds to the storyline of me, myself, and I. Verse 20. God says to him, you fool, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Our successful protagonist has more than enough. His abundant provisions could have been used to bless others, but in his narrow line of thought, When he asks himself, what shall I do with all this stuff, he answers selfishly. In his mind, the wealth he has amassed simply gives him license to frolic, to take it easy, to eat, drink, and be merry without one thought for another living soul. Yet once he has laid out these plans, God interjects asking, who will get what you have prepared? Who will you bless with the gifts You've been given from the beginning of time. This is who God is, a God who gives abundantly, lavishly, always looking to bless his children. Think back to the original blessing of our faith story where God says to a childless man, Abram, look at the stars, the countless blinking stars, and so shall your descendants be, abundant, blessed, in Genesis 22, 17 to 18, God says, Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore. How many of us have been to our beautiful Lake Michigan coast right this summer? How many of us have sunk our toes into the sand? Imagine the millions of granules that just cover your own toes. Lavish, abundant descriptions of God's gifts. Abram, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. But remember, the blessing is not just for you, no. This is a blessing that will carry on 
to the next generation, and then to the one after that, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. The goal of life is not to store up things for ourselves. The goal of life is to be rich toward God. In today's short parable, so short that we may be tempted to skim over it, Jesus teaches us the true essence of life by showing us what life does not consist of. The funny thing is that we don't realize what we're storing up or what consumes our time, attention, and resources until it starts to consume our hearts. And then it's almost too late for our hearts follow our treasures, and this mysterious progression of a heart following treasure happens as a result of a series of small, seemingly insignificant daily choices. In today's parable, when success comes, the man does not pause to express gratitude. There's no sense of consideration for his fellow humanity, which is especially striking in a highly communal culture. His thoughts don't extend beyond himself, not even to give thanks. What an important practice, giving thanks. I think about the example set by Mr. Rogers, one of our nation's treasures. During his life, he was asked to give a number of commencement addresses, and in these settings, he made a point to carve out 10 seconds for gratitude. He would literally pause his speech and say to the graduates, and this is his quote, all of us have special ones who have loved us into being. Would you just take along with me 10 seconds to think of the people who have helped you become who you are, those who have cared about you and wanted what was best for you in life. 10 seconds of silence. I'll watch the time. And he would quietly hold his finger to his watch for 10 seconds. He did the same thing when he was honored with the Lifetime Achievement Award in 1997. And you can watch that on YouTube and see the audience's tender, tearful expressions during the 10-second silence. This was Fred Rogers' reminder that even when we've reached a certain milestone, we have not reached it alone. Indeed, our greatest successes represent the fruit of the love, the sacrifice, and the provision of those who have gone before us. It has been poured into our life as a gift. And so it was for the man in today's parable, a gift. And what's more, the gift, the blessing, it is not just for me, myself, and I. The gifts are given so that we might be a blessing to others. Pass it on, pay it forward. Maybe the question is really quite simple. What do we do with our success? What do we do with our many, many blessings? Jesus warns against an insular, greedy life that resembles a string of missed opportunities and ungrateful spirits. He offers us an invitation to give joyfully and sacrificially, thinking of others and lifting our eyes from a self-centered lifestyle. Generosity is an interesting thing. Generosity is truly a reflection of our inner security. Ultimately, our ability to give relates to our concept of God, and our concept of God hugely informs our own identity and sense of self. It's like a circle. The one informs the other, and on and on as we press against the heart of Christ. It's about our security in Christ. This inner knowledge of one's own belovedness has everything to do with how we interact with the world. How do we stay on guard against all kinds of greed? 
we get to know God. We get to know ourselves. We get, begin to understand God's deep love for this world and for the people in it. This is the pathway to generosity. This is how we step out of the me, myself, and I storyline. This is true not only with our financial resources, but with all kinds of generous acts. Kindness toward our family members. When things might feel inconvenient, when we might just want a little bit of space, when we're looking for an extra few minutes of quiet, kindness. Thoughtfulness toward our neighbors in ordinary ways, looking beyond our immediate needs and wants to sacrifice our time and comfort in order to defend the rights of the needy, the abused, the outcast among us. Generosity also relates to one of the most highly tapped commodities in today's culture, namely our attention. In this consumeristic age, marketers are constantly vying for our attention, and research has shown that an advertisement has about eight seconds to reel in the viewer. Eight seconds. If the ad fails to capture the audience in that time, it has lost its chance to convert a potential customer. And so, as a result, these days, ads are everywhere. The noise has only gotten louder, and the distractions have only become more frequent. Relentlessly, we're pulled in all kinds of directions to buy all kinds of things, more, more, more for me, me, me. So easy to become preoccupied with the world's shiny narrative. And yet, what a lonely way to live. Today's parable emphasizes the isolation and alienation that a successful man experienced as a result of living for himself. On the night of his death, God asked, who will get what you have prepared. Can you imagine not having anybody lined up for the blessing of your life work to pass on to? How lonely the me, myself, and I narrative. This man was living with blinders on to the outside world. All of his plans were self-centered and without consideration for anyone but himself. If ever there was a passage on mindfulness, this would be an excellent one. Today's short parable sits right in between two compelling passages about being present, about trusting the Spirit and not worrying. Do we see how anxious this man was about his stuff? He had to find a solution, and it had to benefit him. If you still have your Bible open, just take a look at Luke chapter 12. After telling this story from today's parable, Jesus will go on to talk about the lilies of the field, and the birds of the air in Luke 12, 22 to 32. Jesus will remind his disciples that they are to sell their possessions and give to the poor, that they should build a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief will come near and no moth destroys. Jesus reminds his followers to live a generous, watchful life, rich toward God, mindful, grateful, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when we do not expect him. And if we go back to the beginning of chapter 12, we see Jesus' message to live without fear, to trust the Holy Spirit for wisdom and guidance every step of the way. This story is not just about the failure to see what was needed in one solitary moment of success. It's about everything that led up to this moment. It's about every small choice and the regular daily routines to live only for oneself, 
to close one's eyes and shut one's ears to the cries of those in need, to walk around clueless, unaware, or uncaring about the pain and heartache in the world. What is blocking the flow of blessing in your life? Or where has it been blocked where it should have been gushing streams of abundant love towards you? And in those cases, I pray God's peace, mercy, and grace of healing over the loss. Is there something that threatens to cut off the river of generosity in your life? It's easy for a scarcity mentality to become the dominant voice in our decision-making minds. And yet it's through a regular practice of gratitude and reflection that we come to understand God's love for us. The very act of giving thanks does something to our hearts that shifts our perspective. We start looking for new ways to bless others with the gifts we have received. As Christ followers, the invitation to live with gratitude is not just a trite encouragement to enjoy the little things, although I do have that plaque in my kitchen. As followers of a suffering Savior, gratitude becomes something much deeper in our hearts. It's the sense of knowing that we are relentlessly loved, persistently pursued by the one who emptied himself for the salvation of our souls. From the secure place of knowing that we are so dearly loved, we look for ways to freely give out of the abundance of all that we have freely received. We begin to see life in the fullness of all its true colors, like Tinkerbell, carrying Peter Pan with some pixie dust, we gain a balcony view. With all the true priorities in order, we return to our daily life and we look for small, regular ways to show kindness and the love of Christ to those around us. Through practicing gratitude and generosity, we become rich toward God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have given us yourself. We carry the knowledge of your goodness and grace every day. We pray that in the morning we would meet with you to be reminded of this gift we have received. We pray, Lord, this week that we would have a new perspective on something that has been blocked, a river of generosity that you, Lord, desire to flow out of our lives. Stir our hearts to hear your spirit speaking to our spirit today. We seek your face. We seek the knowledge of your leading as we desire to be rich towards you, God. Generous, just as our Heavenly Father is generous. In your name we pray. Amen.